0: All right, well, we are excited about this new series. As we've talked about, this is an exciting time in the life of our church. You know, we just wrapped up Easter. We're moving into a new season as we're celebrating that. And, uh, you know, as we think about all that God has done, this is really an exciting time uh, within the life of our church. The whole month of April is basically like just a big, long celebration. You know, we had our child dedications today. Uh, We're talking about next week, we're going to be sending off a church plant to Athens, Ohio for OU. We're going to be putting another flag up, adding to our church network, and what a cool celebration that is, and what a powerful witness to God just continuing to work in the heart and the life of our church, and then we'll have our outdoor baptism services Pastor Matthew shared about, and we'll just celebrate all that God's done, and, you know, and you think about just the crazy year that we've been through, you know, and, and the fact that God's still working and God's still moving is such a powerful thing, and the beautiful thing about that is that God invites us into that. You know, and that's really what this series is all about. It's about celebrating the fact that God wants to partner with us as we're being sent out, uh, as we're being on mission with Him. God wants to use us to continue to share the love and the power that He has. You know, coming off at Easter, it's appropriate to think about the fact that we just celebrated the resurrection, that our God is alive, and God invites us into sharing that story with the people around us. He wants to use you. He wants to use me to take his message to the world around us, you know, and as we're going into this series, it, it reminds me of a, a story uh, of an example that, that I have that happened to me in middle school, and uh, for me, in middle school, as much as I don't like to admit it, luckily for my kids, they got more of my wife's genes than me, in middle school, I was like a late bloomer, athletically speaking, okay, uh, as I got into high school, I, I fit in a little bit more, maybe my body caught up to my athletic skills, but in, in my athletic skills, but but in middle school, uh, I was the kid that made the basketball team, but I was at the very end of the bench, okay? And uh, and so th- with with that comes, you know, just a uh, certain responsibility, keep the end of the bench warm, you know, get the people water. Uh, and so our team in eighth grade, we were pretty good. I don't think we lost any games. You know how that is. The older you get, the definitely better you were. So I'm sure we didn't lose any games in eighth grade. Uh, but I didn't participate in many games that were very close. If the game was close, I knew I probably, wasn't getting in, and so what? Me and my friend Ben would do. We were the eleventh and twelfth man on the team. We would sit down at the end of the bench, and if it was a close game, we knew we were free to start eating candy. We'd eat Skittles and M and M's, but and our it was pretty serious basketball. So we would we knew we'd get in trouble if we got caught doing that. So we'd have to sit on our M and M's, you know, and hide them and hope they didn't melt on our jersey. And so I remember this one particular game is towards the end of the season, and our team wasn't. Living up to our expectations, you know. A couple kids were struggling. They weren't playing as good as they were supposed to. It was a game that we should have been winning, but we were back and forth. We might have been down a few points, and our coach was just so frustrated, especially with a couple of the kids on the court. And just in a last-ditch effort, kind of Hail Mary, I throw my hands up. I don't know what else to do. He looks down at the end of the bench, and he says, Wiles, get in the game. And I'm like, oh, man, you know. So I hand my Skittles over to Ben. I, I go... Tuck my shirt and jump into the game. I'm a little bit nervous as I get into the game, and all of a sudden the ball comes my way. And I remember catching the ball and the the hoop being right there. So I I take the shot. I'm still getting acclimated to the game. And and believe it or not, I made the shot. And I was like, yes, this is pretty cool. I could get into this. And so then I come down, I make a few defensive plays. I make a steal. I get a rebound. I get another opportunity to score. I make the shot. I scored like six points. I know, as amazing. Six points. I had a couple rebounds, and my team ended up coming back and winning, and, and I remember that game. Afterwards, we had this, like, middle school party, I remember going to the party and just kind of walking around with my chest out a little bit further, you know, like, yeah, I was part of this, you know. I mean, uh, of course, like, I knew I was part of the team, but when I was just sitting on the bench, you knew that you're not really part of a, a win in the game time scenario, but getting in the game was such a big thing for me, and it gave me a big boost, you know, and as I I think about that story, you know, and I think about the reality that God invites us to be sent. God invites us into his mission. I share that story with you because the reality is we never know what type of impact we're going to have until we get into the game. You never know what type of impact you're going to have in life until you get off the bench and actually get into the game, actually start contributing, actually start making an impact you just don't know. And, and some of us, sadly, we're, we're content to kind of just stay on the bench, to sit on the sidelines, to watch other people engage with the mission that God has given them. But for us, we're like, I don't know if I'm, I'm up to the caliber that I need to be to actually be off the bench and into the game. But this series and what we're here to tell you today is all about is we weren't made to sit the bench. We weren't made to just watch from a distance God's activity in this world. We were made to be partnered with God, to be on mission with him, to be sent out and to be part of seeing God work in the lives of people, every single one of us. And the beautiful thing about God's mission, the beautiful thing about being sent, is we don't have to wait for a coach to send us in. It's not like out of our control like it was for me in middle school. God has given each and every one of us, those that know him, those that have said yes to him, those that have repented from their sins and and followed Jesus with their life, he's invited every single one of us to be into the game. He's invited every single one of us to participate and to be on the front lines of partnering with him. And so that's our big idea today that we're going to talk about is this, that being a follower of Jesus means being sent by Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus means being sent by Jesus. Those two things go hand in hand. If you're actually following Jesus, then God wants you to be part of what he's doing. I want to look at a passage in John chapter 20 really quick before we jump into our main text. John chapter 20 is what we were in last week at Easter, if you were here and you remember. It's where the account of Jesus's resurrection takes place. And so these are some of the words that Jesus shares right after his resurrection. And he says this in John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, on the evening of the first day of the week. When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, you can picture Jesus' disciples, you know? They're scared. They're afraid. They're sitting on the bench. Their doors are locked. They're afraid of what to do because why? They were in fear of the Jewish leaders. It says, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. Jesus gives us peace, right? Right? Even when we're afraid, when we actually trust in Jesus, he gives us peace. In verse 20, it says, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And here's the, the key phrase for this passage. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus looks at this group of disciples who is afraid, who's petrified, who doesn't know what to do. The doors are locked. They don't want to go out. They want to stay on the sidelines. And he says, listen, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to help you overcome that fear. And not only am I going to do that just for your own good, I'm going to then send you out into the world to tell the world what you've seen and what you have experienced. And he says, the reason I'm sending you is because the Father has sent me. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? God exists as a trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about all three persons of the Godhead here today. But Jesus says, God the Father looked at me, God the Son, when we were up in heaven, and he said, I'm going to send you to earth. God saw the sin and the brokenness that each and every one of us has as humans, and he sent Jesus to to walk and live a perfect life, to go and be crucified, and to raise from the dead, and then tell us that he is going to send us. So Jesus says, God the Father sent me, and so if you want to walk in my footsteps, a lot of us say we want to follow Jesus, well, inherit in following Jesus as being sent, because Jesus himself was sent, and so we get the opportunity to leverage our lives, to go and share the love and glory of God. And and we want to encourage you here today, and we want to encourage you throughout this series, that being sent isn't just for the super spiritual people among us. Being sent isn't just for the pastors or for the staff members or for even the parents who just stood up here today and proclaimed to this whole church that they're going to raise their kids in a way that honors God. Being sent is for each and every one of us. We get the opportunity to be part of that, and it's a beautiful thing. And so the question for us to consider and ponder and wrestle with is have we said yes to that mission, that calling, that Jesus himself lived out, and that he's asking each and every one of us to live out as we're here today. So I want to read a passage out of Acts today, Acts chapter 1. Verse one, some of the series we're going to be spending time in the book of Acts, and uh, we're going to look at Acts chapter one verses one through eight as our main text. We just have two spots that we're going to stop and and kind of pull out some points from this text today. So if you want to open your Bibles with me, you can. Acts chapter one. The writer of the book of Acts is a, a man by the name of Luke Luke. Uh, was not one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus, but Luke was around for Jesus's ministry. He saw it firsthand. So he wrote the gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. Luke, from what we think, was a doctor or some type of a scholar. He wrote kind of in a, a scholarly, scholarly type format. And in verse 1 of, of Acts chapter 1, says this. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, so Luke is writing this letter to a man by the name of Theopolis. says, In my former book, talking about the Gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day I was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, And after his suffering, he presented himself to them, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, and he appeared to them over a 40-day period, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And so Luke is telling Theophilus and telling us still to this day that Jesus, after he rose from the dead, was present with people for about 40 days, and it said he proved that it was actually him. In fact, this is why Christianity still exists to this day, because Jesus made sure that those early followers knew that he was alive in bodily form. And Luke says, uh, in my first book, I talked all about what Jesus did on earth. The Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are called the Gospels. They record the actions, the ministry, the teachings of Jesus. So he says, in my first book, I talked about what Jesus did while he was on earth. Well, in my second book, the book of Acts, I'm going to tell you what Jesus is doing from heaven now. First book, I talked about all the things that Jesus did. Second book, the book of Acts, I'm talking about all the things that Jesus is still doing because Jesus is alive in the second book of Acts, but he is alive as a resurrected Jesus who then ascended into heaven. So he says, I'm going to tell you not just about the ministry of Jesus here on earth. I'm going to tell you about what God is doing through the church. God is doing through his people. God is doing through the sent ones that he is sending out. That's what the book of Acts is all about. Then jump back in in verse 4. Acts chapter 1, Luke is recounting what happened. He said, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I want to stop right there. It takes us to our first point. Our first point is this, that being sent is not about us. Being sent is not about us and our strengths And our abilities. The disciples were oftentimes asking Jesus, when are you gonna come and do things the way that we think you should? And even in this passage, even after Jesus resurrected, you know, they're saying, is this the time now, Jesus? Is this when you're gonna come and restore the kingdom to Israel? We talked about this last week, but what they probably thought Jesus was gonna do is kind of militarily come in and take over Israel and say, this is mine. And they probably thought they would get some benefit, some earthly benefit from that. And Jesus says, listen, the time for you to know that is not right now it's not about you and your plans but it's about what god is doing through me and so jesus says being sent isn't about us but what is it about it's about receiving the power of the holy spirit receiving the power of the holy spirit now picture yourself being one of these disciples okay we just came off at easter they are sitting there with the resurrected jesus pretty powerful experience right kind of blows your mind, right? You're sitting there with the resurrected Jesus, a man who you saw die now is alive. And Jesus says to them, hey, listen, I have to leave. I have to go. You would be like, no, stay here with us. This is amazing. You were dead, but now you're alive. And Jesus says, no, I have to leave. I'm going to ascend to heaven because when I leave, someone even greater is going to come, the Holy Spirit when Jesus ascends to heaven, then the Holy Spirit comes and indwells believers. And from that moment on, now anyone who has faith in Christ, anyone who follows Jesus actually has God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, living inside of us, receiving the very power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. So it's not about us. When we're being sent out, when God says, just as Jesus was sent, I'm sending you out, we can have hope and peace and joy knowing that it's not about our strengths, not about our eloquence, not about our ministry skills, but it's about the power of God living inside of us. You know, we're so tempted in life to think that so many things are about us, aren't we? You know, we're oftentimes fed things like, you know, follow your dreams, do what you want to do, make yourself happy, but here we're told, that it is about the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The Holy Spirit empowering ordinary people to do extraordinary things because God was working in them. And the Holy Spirit, he's not just like a luxury for ministry. He's an absolute necessity if we want to have actual impact in the world around us. That word power, where Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes onto you. The Greek word for it is dynamis. Sound familiar? We get English words like dynamite and dynamic from that root Greek word of dynamis. And that word can can mean a, a powerful display of God's miraculous work, but it can also mean more generally our ability as God's people to carry out God's purposes in life or in ministry. And so when we trust not in ourselves, But when we trust in the power of the Spirit of God that lives inside of us, that's when we have the ability to be sent the way that God wants us to be sent. I don't know about you, but that's pretty freeing for me, being somebody who loves to do ministry, somebody who's called to do ministry. So oftentimes when I have weaknesses in ministry, it's because I get mixed up in thinking that it's my responsibility to make something happen. My responsibility to hope more people show up or hope this person accepts Jesus, and yet what the scripture tells us is it's not about us, it's about God's power working. And so if you're here and you're gone, there's no way I could ever be sent. There's no way I could ever partner with God. Well, maybe you're giving yourself a little bit too much credit. Maybe you're you're confusing what ministry really is, which is simply relying on God for what we projected ministry to be sometimes, which is us having to perform or to act or to do things on our own strength. And so this text that Jesus gives us is so foundational. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you because it frees us up to realize that anything we do is empowered by the Spirit of God as we seek to partner with God and being sent to the world around us. Let's jump back into the text. Look at this second part and look at our second point for today. It's this, the second part of verse 8. It says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes onto you. And then this part, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The second and final point for this morning is this. Being sent means being a witness. Being sent means being a witness, That word witness, it's a key word in the book of Acts, the early church that we still try to model what it looks like to live out and be a family of God. That word witness is used 29 times throughout the book of Acts, either as a verb or a noun. And a witness is someone who tells what they have seen or heard or experienced, right? That's what a witness does. And we get to do that for Jesus I got to have a confession up here this morning, not one I'm proud of. I have a guilty pleasure in my life. Um, I partake in it with my kids. We watch the show Judge Judy. And um, you can judge me if you want, and I will understand why you would judge me, because She's so mean to people, isn't she? Like, have you ever seen that show? Um, she, she can be like so mean. And my kids are like, why is she so mean? Is she a real judge? I'm like, I don't know. But there's something, there's something about us that's just continually drawn to that show. It's fascinating in some ways. So I like to think that I have a, a, a lot of knowledge about the legal system from my watching of Judge Judy. But what, here's what I do know. When a witness is on the stand, whether it's in Judge Judy's court or a real court, you know, when a witness is on a stand, the judge, they're not interested in that person's ideas. They're not interested in that person's opinions. They're not interested in that person's perspectives. Certainly Judge Judy's not, and I don't think a real judge is either. They would get in trouble for doing that. All the judge wants to hear, all the jury wants to hear is the facts and the truth. That's all that, that a witness is good for, is to share the facts and the truth about what they saw or what they experienced. And, and the same is true with us. The Bible says, you'll be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses And so the beauty about being sent on mission with God is that we don't have to go out and be eloquently sharing our opinions about everything in the universe, about our political perspectives, about our financial perspectives. That's not what sharing the gospel is. Sharing the gospel, being sent, telling people about Jesus is simple. It's about telling the facts, the truth, the reality of who Jesus is, of what he's done, of the fact that we serve a God that loves us and that cares for us and that left the comforts of heaven to come to earth to die, to be crucified, to raise from the dead for your and for my sins, and each and every one of us has the opportunity to repent and to turn back to him. That is the simple yet beautiful truth of the gospel. And a witness simply tells the truth about what God has done. You know, oftentimes when we think about, about being sent, you know, we, we are tempted to, to overcomplicate it. And, and sometimes we're even s- tempted to think that, that you can only be somebody who, who tells people about Jesus if you're sent overseas as like a foreign missionary or if you go on a mission trip. But the reality is when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth, it was like this thing where they were actually in Jerusalem at that moment. So Jesus is saying, it starts right here. It starts right here where you're at. And so we want to give you the encouragement here today. Yes, of course we need missionaries that go all over the world and tell people about Jesus. And yes, of course we should go on mission trips. But being sent and taking the message of the gospel starts right here. Starts right now. You know, you're sent as you go to work and you see people around you that desperately need Jesus. You're sent as you go to class and there's people sitting next to you that don't know who Jesus is. You're sent into your neighborhoods, into your apartment complexes. You're sent right where you are to take the message and the beauty and the hope of the gospel, and it starts here. Dr. Oswald Smith, he says this, the light that shines the farthest will shine the brightest at home. Think about that word picture. The light that shines the farthest, we want to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. The light that shines the farthest will shine the brightest right here at home. So even as we think about this month and the reality that we're getting to send people to a different city to take the gospel as we plant a church, wouldn't it be a shame if we were all excited about that, but we didn't also take the gospel right here where we are to the places that are closest to home. Every single one of us has an opportunity to be a witness. And so let me ask you this question. Have you partnered with God and saying yes to him and being a witness for him? When was the last time you you shared with somebody about the power of what God has done for you in your life? You know, the reality is a lot of times people think that that telling people about Jesus is something that, that they get guilted into. But that could not be further from the truth. The beauty and the power of the gospel is that we get invited into it. We get invited into partnering with God. And so it's, it's not about guilt or it's not about shame, but it's about the, the ability for us to say yes to hearing from the Holy Spirit within our lives. I want to just give you a couple quick practicals as we close up, because maybe as you're here, you're saying, okay, that sounds interesting, and maybe I see uh, and have a desire on my heart to, to do that, at least in some way, but I wouldn't even know where to start. If you're saying I can be sent right here where I'm at, okay, I would consider that, but where would I even start? Let me just give you a couple quick things. First, first practical, give God credit and glory every opportunity you get within your life. You know, I found this to be so helpful in my life, even just in the small things, in the small conversations that I'm having with people. If I constantly have the goodness and grace of God on the forefront of my mind and on the tip of my tongue, and I'm constantly looking for ways for people to take the, the, the attention off of myself and point it back to God, there are so many opportunities and ways for us to celebrate that. If someone gives you a compliment, you can deflect that and point the, the, the power and the presence back to God. Yeah, isn't it amazing the way that God's made people? And give yourself opportunities to continually be speaking of his goodness and grace in your life and see what God does with that. And of course, you're not just giving lip service, rogue lip service to God. Believe it in your heart the good things that happen into your life, and even the trials and challenges that happen in your life, run them through that that spiritual mindset that we have so that when people ask you about it, you have the opportunity to point people towards him. Secondly, serve people selflessly. Look for ways to serve people selflessly. Little things, small things, big things, anything in between, look for ways to serve. Followers of Jesus are servants. So you don't need programming in church to love your neighbor, going and shoveling their driveway, helping out with mowing their yard or raking their leaves, whatever situation it may be. Look for ways to selflessly serve people. And when questions come up about why you're doing it, you can point people towards Jesus. Simple and yet powerful. And then third and finally, take a risk for God with your words and with your actions. Again, so many of us were afraid. And I understand. What if I say something wrong? What if I look stupid? You know, What if I turn somebody away from Jesus by what I say? Listen, God can work in spite of us. God can work through us, even in our weakness. And so don't be afraid to take risks for God. Take risks for him. If there's ever a place where we should be taking risk, it's in telling the world about the good news of Jesus. You know, this series, Our Hope, Our Prayer for Our Church, is that each and every one of us, we'd say, I want to be in the game. I want to get off the bench and I want to be in the game. I want to participate in the mission of God. I want to be sent to the world around me. I want to be part of telling the world about our risen Jesus who loves them, who died for them, and who wants to reunite with them. God wants to use us and invite us into his mission. Our prayer is that every single one of us, we would say yes to that and experience the fullness and joy that comes from living a life fully submitted to him. So let's pray and let's spend some time worshiping God here together today. God, we thank you for the power of your word and the beauty of your mission. And God, so much of our world is searching for purpose. So much of our world is searching for meaning and yet you've given us our purpose and our meaning right here. You'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. Lord, would we live that out? Would you help each and every one of us here today to say yes to that calling and that command that you've challenged us with? Lord, would you help us to tell the truth in love to the world around us? Would you help us to tell the truth about who you are, the fact that you're alive and active and working in our world, the fact that you've changed us and empowered us, the fact that you've moved us towards you? God, would you help us to say yes to everything that you offer those of us who believe in you. And God, would we extend that to other people. Lord, we know that you're with us as we go about sharing the power and the beauty of who you are. So God, give us strength to be sent by you. In your name we pray, amen.